0: Renowned scientist Dr. Alec Holland is attacked by paramilitary thugs and doused in his own experimental plant formula. This formula transforms Dr. Holland into a plant monster born of the swamp, a force for good that challenges all who dare upset the natural order of his domain. Also, don't mess with his girlfriend or you will conjure the wrath of Swamp Thing. I'm Connor Izagary. I'm Austin Johnson. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, listeners. This is the Filmgasm Podcast, and today we are diving back into Wes Craven's filmography for one of his less celebrated entries, a film that has not aged well in the slightest, 1982's Swamp Thing. Joining us today is Filmgasm contributor and guest host, Josh Allred. Thanks for being here today. Hell yeah. (laughs) And uh, I think you'll act as a good counterpoint, because both Austin and I really hate this film, but I think you have a couple good things to say about it. I'm going (laughs) to try. Also, for those of you who tune into our new podcast, Oscar Sunday, we apologize for not doing a This Week in Film segment at the end of this past Sunday's episode. We simply forgot, and we promise to do our best not to leave out anything in the future. We'll be doing that segment at the end of today's show in place of the spotlight. So it's going to be like old times, even though it's only been like two episodes since we've dropped that. (laughs) Hey, when you're, talking about, when you're talking about
1: Spike Lee, you can get caught up, you know?
0: Oh, yeah, especially since we go in blind. There's no script there. So it's just us for, like, relying on our memories to make sure we keep everything intact. Going forward, we might want to start about th- you know, thinking about a safety net or something. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't hurt. A, bit, a big reminder that says, this week in film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got two updates for you on the rewind today one that updates early episode eight, The Changeling, and one that updates uh, recent episode 86, What We Do in the Shadows. First up, there is a remake of The Changeling in the works from director Anders Engstrom, a Finnish TV director known for directing episodes of Taboo and Hannah, among others. Producer Joel B. Michaels, who produced the original film, is heavily involved in the remake, or as they're calling it, a reimagining, no word yet on a production start date. So the remake and the changeling, what do you guys think?
2: I, I don't know. Like, I get really torn about these kinds of things because at, at some point, I feel like enough is enough. Yeah. Just find more things that are either new or something fresh, something like that. It's it just, it's lazy a lot of the time. And yeah, I understand if you have people that are directly connected it from the source material, it makes it a little bit easier to swallow, but it just seems lazy. It just there's there's no there's no real risk involved in that. And that's one of the things that always bugs me when you know a, a major studio or anybody with money, reaches out and says oh i'm gonna take this and i'm gonna remake it because i know if i put slap this name on this it could be a big fat turd in there but people are gonna want to get it
0: it
2: drives me
1: crazy
0: yeah that's true austin what do you
1: think (laughs) i couldn't agree more that was so well said (laughs) lazy lazy is the uh that's the definition of lazy right there um you know me you know me connor uh film guys and listeners know me just Do something different, my man. Use your brain.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And the changeling, it's not, I mean, you know, I did it as an early episode alone, and it's it's not special. It's not particularly, you know, fantastic. I thought it was decent film. George C. Scott is amazing. And I wouldn't like as an actor, if I was an actor, I would not want to step in his shoes. I mean, George C. Scott is one of the like most important actors, one of the most talented performers of the 20th century. That would be a tough act to follow right there. Yeah. And I th- I feel like if they do this, it's going to end up like the Jacob's Ladder remake from last year that nobody remembers.
2: <laughs> I forgot I about that. Yeah. I didn't even bother.
0: I didn't even bother. I saw it in <laughs> passing on Netflix. I was like, oh, Jacob's Ladder, 2019. What the fuck? And then, yeah. Apparently they remade Jacob's Ladder and didn't tell anybody. <laughs> Gosh. And I just think, you know... That's where the Changeling remake is probably destined. It horror yeah, remake, like, yeah. they're either really great or absolute shit, and most of the time they fall into the latter category. Yeah, um, I think
1: I think a prime example of that is what we just saw with uh, you do something new and different, like The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss, and it's refreshing and fun to see a female on the front of like a, a horror movie uh that i that kind of thing i can dig but yeah man there's like this there's like this place for these horror movies like that it looks like this is where changeling is headed
0: yep we will see and finally Jermaine clement announced he will be leaving the writer's staff of fx is what we do in the shadows for season three no word on why he's leaving but clement's always been one to juggle multiple projects and uh, this, I, I don't think it's you know malicious. There's probably no bad blood. I think he just wants to do other stuff. But uh, I have not yet checked out the show, but I've heard great things.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, man. it's a good show.
2: It's fucking hilarious. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious, what it is. Um, <laughs> I, 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 me and my wife have been watching it, and I, I can't remember like laughing out loud to something. <laughs> just genuinely being in the moment of it and enjoying it, and just looking and going, Do you? This shit is hilarious. It's yeah. actually funny, and it's it's pretty brilliant how they took the same concept from the from the movie and just repackaged it and kind of like Americanized it in a way, but it's but it's still it's still funny. It still expands on the world that they build. Yes, yes, it's, it's just so well done, and I think that, that only speaks to, you know, the genius of Takeo Atiti and Jermaine Clement and how they were able to, you know, put the same thing out there but had a lot more room to mess with stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys ever heard about it. Um, they did a spinoff series from in New Zealand called Wellington Paranormal.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was a it was about the two cops and I had to get the uh the DVD of it imported from New Zealand. And it's it, it has its moments where you're kinda like, uh, oh, this isn't as funny, but it's pretty good. So and they, they both have their hands on that as well. So
0: yeah.
2: They can do it. And I think they're that show is working on its third season. They have two seasons out already.
0: Pretty admirable that these two guys managed to create such a, like, you know, global franchise out of this goofy movie of three vampires living together in Auckland. I mean, that's just awesome. They have a werewolf movie, they announced. They're going to do a movie following the wolves now. (laughs) I'm excited. I I love these guys. Their their comedy is fucking hilarious. And I just, I love anything they touch.
1: You're in good hands with Taika. Yes. Yeah. And if it's...
2: If it's not called werewolves, not Square wolves, I will be upset.
1: I'm just gonna say that.
0: That's that's awesome. Uh, I want uh, Stu to be the new pack leader. Like, I want there to be dissension in the ranks, but he's not even trying that hard. They just like him so much. Yeah, just
1: have a have a bit of a bit of bit of dialogue about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the pack leader didn't really want to do it, but I figured. Why not? <laughs> oh, that that could be so good. So, Swamp Thing. Now, I know this was Austin's and my first time seeing this, but Josh, how did you find Swamp Thing?
2: So, probably like, like most people my age, it was comic books. Um, Swamp Thing, his Marvel counterpart, Man-Thing, those were those were you know, they came around <laughs> right at the same time. Yeah, totally original name. Man um, thing. I love <laughs> yeah. Man thing is probably a lot like weirder than Swamp Thing is. Like there's I I would have to I would have to consult my my resident genius friend Ty about Man Thing. He knows way more about that stuff than I do. Um so yeah, I, I first saw those, and then it was the TV series that came in the 90s. I used to watch that, and I vaguely remember seeing Return of Swamp Thing when I was a kid. And you know, as I got older, I started to revisit some of the stuff that I had, you know, I'd seen when I was a kid or didn't remember seeing. I was like, oh, let's go check this out. So, yeah, it was definitely comic books first. I just remember kind of being fascinated by. You know, the, the whole idea of it and how it kind of blended the the mad scientist with uh, like a monster story and, you know, inevitably the monster must find love and be accepted and all that other tropey stuff. But it was really good. I enjoyed it. This movie, however,
0: not so much. Yep. Talk about butchering any opportunities you could have to make a really you know standout superhero movie in the 80s. And uh, it's films like this that perpetuated the idea that superhero movies couldn't be successful until like the early 2000s. Um, Swamp Thing was based on the DC Comics character of the same name that first appeared in House of Secrets number 92 in July of 1971. The first swamp thing was named Alex Olson and he got his powers after falling into a bunch of unstable chemicals and then having his dying body dumped in a swamp by his rival who then pursued Alex's wife, Linda, as you do. Uh, It's always unstable chemicals. It's always like, doesn't matter what those chemicals are, just combine any kind of generic poisons and chemicals and you're going to make some kind of superhero. And Alex returned from the dead after the chemicals combined with the swampy vegetation transforming Alex into a monster with a heart of gold. The film Swamp Thing, Dr. Alec Holland, is the second character to be known as the Swamp Thing. And he first appeared in Swamp Thing number one, November 1972. He's a member of the Justice League, among other superhero organizations. And I would bet money that in my lifetime, and probably the lifetime of my eventual children, we'll never see a movie with Swamp Thing in the Justice League.
2: No, it would have to be something special like the Justice League goes to the swamp, and that's you know, or some other Scooby Doo type of shit. I don't know
0: if they ever do like a Justice League Dark movie. I mean, I can you know, I can obviously see that swamp thing and Dead Man and John Constantine, and Batman because he's always there. And I, but I don't know. This seems like too much of a gamble. The DC would never be willing to bet on. I mean, we saw with how they handled the TV show debacle that they just are not willing to take risks in any fucking department. It's crazy. Well, they can't. I mean, Marvel's got such a,
2: you know, they're they're taking up all the room. So they, they have to be extremely strategic. And I think the only thing that they've managed to do better than Marvel is their animated movies.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. 100%. Hands down. But you'd think that with like, knowing Marvel is this monumental force that is so bo- just pure box office gold, unstoppable. They've got Disney bankrolling them. Knowing you can never, ever measure up to that. I feel like that would inspire you to just kind of, you know, try new things, knowing that you won't have that success, but you might have some success. I don't know. I just, I think that would, I wish that had the opposite reaction.
2: Take a fucking chance. Yeah. That's that's all I got to say about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And typically in the past when DC has, you know, let a director have their own visions, let, you know, don't touch their product, the films have been stellar, or at least better than what they usually got. I mean, Aquaman had that, Wonder Woman had that, Birds of Prey had that, Shazam. So it's there. They just don't know how to mine it correctly. And I don't think they ever will. Because nobody you know consistently doesn't learn from their own mistakes, like the fucking film studios
1: yeah, find a real director too, you know um d c <clears throat> find someone you know do like you pointed out, Christopher Nolan, find someone who's committed uh, for not just one movie um, i Shazam was like a hit. But I feel like nobody really talks about it anymore, and that happens. Well, it came these, and went. It came and went. It ha- it happens with these DC movies w- where someone like me, who doesn't have this uh, foundation of love com- reading comics a lot as a kid, I am just like, what the fuck is this, you know? <laughs> <Like, laughs> yeah. What what's going on? And I'm sure you guys are just as lost, but <laughs> I-, I don't I don't know if a Swamp Thing movie could do anything unless it was extremely dark and extremely uh, out there and uh, had a director who was willing to push the limits. Maybe someone like um, Dennis Villeneuve, you know, who's doing, who's doing Dune, who did, um, you know, Prisoner's Enemy. Um, those movies are pretty cool. I think he could maybe do something, but I don't know. They got to find somebody right.
0: In my mind, there's only one director who could do a fantastic Swamp Thing movie and that is Guillermo del Toro.
1: Yeah, yeah, that'd be a great call, of course. I mean he could he can build something amazing.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Probably not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, that's the thing is DC's not gonna do that. Josh said take a chance.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Huh. Fucking DC. Well, what about what about David Cronenberg's swamp thing? Oh that (laughs) would be yeah, that would be badass. That would
0: dude, that would uh, this, uh DC would never let that happen. That would be so I fucking know. dark and uncomfortable. It would be awesome. That's that's the thing. Like <laughs> you
1: you you want to you want to you want to compete at all with Marvel? You got to do a dark night. <laughs> you got to <laughs> do something crazy. You got to have a character who's out there, man. And all these recent DC movies are just none of those characters really last with you.
2: True. Well, I think I think, I think something about Swamp Thing that they could try and like position themselves with is one of the things that was, you know, really prevalent in the television series was like the focus on like the environment and, and they even kind of play it up some in the, the TV series they had that they foolishly canceled, pussies, um, is like, yeah, you know, like, take something that's topical and relevant right now and then use that as a means of like, you know, giving your, your, your story, some kind of, you know, grounding in reality and you can,
0: you can do something with that. Yeah. It's a good idea. Swamp Thing was written and directed by Wes Craven, director of past filmgasm topics, The Serpent and the Rainbow and Scream as well as future Filmgasm topics, A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Hills Have Eyes, The People Under the Stairs, and The Last House on the Left, among others. And we've talked so much about Wes Craven that I'm going to just breeze by now. <laughs> <laughs> like in the past, we've just gone overboard on Wes Craven. But well, it's a horror movie podcast. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> can't. The film stars 80s scream queen Adrienne Barbeau as Alice Cable, government agent. Barbot has also appeared in 80s classics Creep show, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Cannonball Run, and she's the voice of the chess computer in The Thing. And Adrian Barbeau is probably the best thing about this movie. Hands down.
1: Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, uh, I, I didn't find much of this to be interesting. And the skinny dipping scene is, just
0: seems totally
1: out of left field.
0: Well there's a reason for that. We were not we were watching the international cut of the film. That was the YouTube copy we found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The theatrical version is PG and has no nudity. So
1: What al- what else is not in the theatrical version? Just the nudity. Okay. Well, yeah, cuz the movie's like already I think like hour and 28 or something. It's pretty short. Yeah. Uh, it was just
0: yeah. I guess if you international audiences are going to watch a movie about a swamp monster. They need to see some tits. That's just, those are the rules. <laughs> but oh, man, I was really confused. Cause I saw, you know, PG score and there's nudity and I'm like, yeah. what do you have to do in the eighties to get an R rating. But then I found out, you know, Oh, okay. International cut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. But I always liked Adrienne Barbeau. She's always been one of my favorite 80s actresses. And uh, I fucking loved her in The Fog, which I watched recently for the first time.
2: And uh, Oh, oh she's, she's great. I love her. Um, she's actually in the, uh, the revival sh- series of Creepshow on Shudder. She was in one of the early episodes. I think the first one.
0: Yeah, I, re- I watched that episode, and I, I remember being excited to see her. That was cool. Mm-hmm. She played the like super naggy bitch in the crate. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic Lewis Jordan plays the evil Anton Arcane uh, Scientist or paramilitary leader Or evil count, I'm not really sure Jordan is known primarily as the Bond villain Kamal Khan In 1983's Octopussy And he has also appeared in such films as Gigi And Letter from an Unknown Woman He also appeared in the sequel 1989's The Return of Swamp Thing He died in 2015 at age 93 from natural causes have either of you seen Octopussy? Oh, yes. Really? Actually, I have not. Yeah, I, I yeah, would have thought that was going to be reversed. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no,
1: Con- Connor, we've talked about a few times uh, past on Filmgasm, which ones I have and haven't seen. Yeah. Th- there's about seven I'm missing, but that, that's one of them, yeah. I mean, that title alone was like, you know, when you're a teenager, what is that? <laughs> yeah, I got check this fucking movie out.
0: Off you know, if you know nothing about Bond and you go into that movie, you're expecting to see a movie about a woman with eight vaginas, and that's just not at all what that is.
1: No, no, no. Indeed, it's in- <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, advertising. There
0: you go. <laughs> Welcome not to America. Bad. It's not bad. It's just, you know, it's one of uh it's one of um Roger Moore's goofiest, you know, he was he was starting to age towards then. Kamal Khan is such an odd, like, exiled Arabian prince villain working with Russian intelligence agents. Like, what the fuck is this? And there's a circus involved. It's just the weirdest fucking movie. But it's entertaining. And in the end, that's what matters most, I think. (laughs) What did you think of him as Anton Arcane? Yikes. Yep, Yep, that about... Yep. I'm right there with you guys.
1: Uh yeah, just not what you want out of a uh out of a villain
0: here. Oh, he's fucking terrible. (sighs) He's not like. Why is he here? I feel like he's so much better than this. Like, why is he here? And he came back for the sequel, despite the fact that his character transforms into into a pig wolf and dies. I I kind of want to watch the sequel just. Did he turn back after he got stabbed with like Excalibur or whatever the fuck happened at the end of that movie? I, I guess. I kind of want to see the sequel just to find out like what, how do they explain this? Is it is like his I, sequel? Is it his like twin brother, Alex Arcane or some shit?
2: I I actually don't remember, but I think one of the things that <laughs> always threw me when I saw the transformation and he's like coming out of his suit or whatever his little cocoon and it's like. I'm like what the fuck? What? And then he just got <laughs> like, this long mullet mane attached to his head. Got claws in his teeth, but he decides, no, I need to use a sword. That's how I'm going to destroy this thing.
0: <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, already I think I said in my review that he, he looks like the big bad wolf fucked one of the three little pigs. And <laughs> totally. it's uh, like. I agree. Like, why the fuck does he grab a sword? It's so strange. Ugh, we'll get to oh, that. Man. <laughs> There's a lot of stupid shit to unpack with this movie. Uh, Ray Wise <coughs> plays Dr. Alec Holland, the man who would be Swamp Thing. Wise is perhaps best known for his role as Leland Palmer on the TV series Twin Peaks. In addition, Wise has appeared in such films as Good Night and Good Luck, Jeepers Creepers 2 and he voiced commissioner gordon in the 2016 animated film Batman the Killing Joke. And Leland Palmer was my favorite character on Twin Peaks. <laughs> so it was cool to see him again.
1: Oh, that's so difficult. Favorite character on Twin Peaks. I got to go Bobby Briggs.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yeah, I love Bobby. Yeah. That little shit. <laughs> I love I love his I love him in the return as well. Yeah, he's awesome. Fair enough. Josh, you have a dog
2: in this race. Oh well, I mean, I'm I'm Agent Dale Cooper all the way.
0: Oh. Well, although yeah,
1: did, that's that's understood. Although, yeah.
2: Although I did I did have a fondness for um, David Lynch's character in it too. Yes. So, <laughs> just what? Fun. Yeah. Anytime, yeah. Anytime Lynch was on screen, it's er You know, he fucking get he just cracks me up. Yeah, Cooper, Robert, lost, like, Robert
0: Forrester. Cooper lost major points for me after 16 plus episodes of fucking Dougie Jones. So Dougie. I've got Leland Palmer Dougie. still, you know, still awesome in the the brief bit he had in the return. So I can still like him. I <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of issues to voice with Twin Peaks, but this is not the time nor the place.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll ha- we'll have to do that at some point. Cause it's um such a, captivating uh the whole world the movie the first two seasons the return all of it is there's so much to it it's it's amazing
0: hold that thought i remember that cuz i have an op- i have an idea to share with you after the recording okay cool fire walk with me uh dick durock plays swamp thing durock was a stuntman who ended up taking the role on because craven realized ray wise and the makeup just wasn't believable enough Durock has also appeared in such films as Stand By Me, The Enforcer, Silverado, and The Return of Swamp Thing. He'd play Swamp Thing many, many times throughout his career until his death in 2009 at age 72 from pancreatic cancer. And, I mean, if you had to pick a big dude to look green, you could do worse. <laughs> that's pretty much his, the extent of his involvement in this film. Yeah. He's Swamp Squatch. Uh, <laughs> swamp is, that has, gonna
2: be your, is that going to be your knockoff novel for your
1: next
0: Oh yeah I've already started an outline Yeah I'm three chapters into <laughs> Swamp Squatch
1: Man Squatch
0: Man Squatch That's you, the ripoff you're going to write Like Marvel yeah. Man thing
1: Yeah <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to do
0: <laughs> Man Squatch That's fucking awesome Drama
1: amongst the filmgasm team. <laughs> Copyright infringement.
0: Oh my god. We ever end up in entertainment court over fucking man squash?
1: <laughs> I will shake your hand.
0: Rock Bottom has found us. <laughs> uh, Swamp Thing has an IMDb score of 5.4. Sounds about right. And a weirdly positive Rotten Tomato score of 67%. This film is also. Uh, quite acclaimed by famed movie critic Roger Ebert, who gave it three out of four stars. I don't God, know, what a strange guy! I feel like that man I, hate I loved, loved a lot of movies.
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure he he had to have like eaten a an edible or something. Before he <laughs> like Connor and I read his review. I don't know if you've read it.
1: Awesome I, I I did while I was at work today. Yeah. What the
2: fuck? Like he is. He is like I, I felt like he was trying to like get down on his knees and just wait for some swamp goo to get blown all over his face like just the opening okay I, I had to bring it back up because the opening line to. where is it at hold on I gotta okay swamp thing had already won my heart before its moment of greatness but when that moment came I knew I discovered another one of those movies that fall somewhere between buried treasures, and guilty pleasures. Dude.
0: <laughs> Gosh, like you expect him to say, and when that moment <laughs> came, so did I.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Roger. Christ. Roger, my guy. <sighs> uh,
2: there's only there's only one part of that review that I'm 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 gonna quote in a in a in a little bit later that like the only part of that that makes any sense everything else outside of that i just feel like he's just stroking stroking so hard trying to get something good out of this movie and there's really nothing <laughs> to get out of it no. nothing except maybe some splinters or some thorns or something whatever the swamp has to leave you prickly i
0: don't know i i found nothing but a limp swamp thing with this film i don't know A <laughs> <laughs> flat. yeah Totally flaccid. There's nothing. No filmgasm was had today. <laughs> no, the
1: um, title of this podcast doesn't necessarily work with this movie.
0: No, this we all went home pretty frustrated. <laughs> Goddamn. Uh, no word on the film's success, as I can't find the box office gross of this movie anywhere. Like, and that tells you all you need to know. <laughs> Yep. Despite a poor critical reception, it did spawn a franchise, though. So, I don't know. It did something right. Poor. And time now for the plot of Swamp Thing. Oh, boy. (laughs) If you can fucking call it that. So, we open on the swamps of Louisiana, I assume. it's Probably the bayou. A scientist is mysteriously killed by a pocket snake. That was a little weird. Just pulling snakes out of your pockets as fucking weapons and just using them to bite people. Already I was like, all right, this is that kind of movie. Okay. I think someone may have watched Indiana Jones before they did this. Is there a pocket snake in Indiana
1: Jones? Snakes in general in the 80s. (laughs)
0: I'm trying to back, like, Belloc, just pull a snake out of his hat and, like, try to attack Indiana Jones. <laughs> I don't, I haven't seen that cut of the film.
1: That that would be, that would be a way to end the Indiana Jones uh, franchise.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. So, this guy's killed, and they bring in Alice Cable, who's just a generic government worker, to serve as his replacement. And she keeps pointing out that the swamp sensors, one of them is malfunctioning, but everyone's just like, it's not important. That's where they, the guy was killed by a gator. Like that's not a gator, it's a pocket snake. And uh, she it reminds me of a uh, King of the Hill. Remember Dale, which is pocket sand, people. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Come on in over there. Oh, <laughs> uh, so. The project supervisor is this guy named Harry Ritter, and he introduces uh, Cable to this eccentric scientist, Dr. Alec Holland, who's less of an eccentric scientist and more of a pretty mild-mannered, reasonable scientist. And uh, his sister Linda and him are working on some kind of super serum that's going to make plants and animals, like a hybrid plant-animal thing that'll fight back. I guess it also explodes and it's lights you on fire and turns you into a swamp thing. The properties of this stuff's not very clear. It's just magic formula. And it's apparently Dr. Holland's life's work and Anton Arcane, this evil leader, like exiled Prince count military guy. He wants the formula because he wants to use it to sell it to the highest bidder and become rich or so Alan, Alec Holland takes Cable on a tour of the swamp, on a boat tour, and apparently they fall in love because the rest of the movie is pretty dependent on that. It's That's the most unbelievable thing about this movie is their relationship, I think. I mean, yeah, they just two grown, met. Two grown-ass people, yeah. Like, what, what are we doing here? Like, they just met, and he suddenly, like, takes it upon himself to be her eternal protector. What? <laughs> Well, it screams, uh that's the swamp thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's. it's such an easy fix. Just have her be like, you know, the old girlfriend who got away or something like that. Some kind of, you know, like they have history. Something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Oh, it's just like, all right, you. <laughs> it's ridiculous. We got an hour and a half. You. <laughs> <laughs> we need a subplot, romantic subplot, and... The other woman's dead and also his sister. So it's you. <laughs> uh, they go back to the site and Ritter and Charlie, the other guy who runs this place, both scold Alice like, what the hell are you doing? You can't just go creeping around the swamp with our head scientist here. There's evil paramilitary thugs out there with the gators. <laughs> God, this movie makes no fucking sense. <laughs> the more I talk through it, I sound like a fucking maniac.
1: Yeah, I mean it just it,
0: it it feel it feels like a lot of cocaine was had
1: and they just went on the fly. But I don't know, maybe Josh knows more.
2: No, 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 no. It definitely it definitely reeks of copious amounts of drugs and bad <laughs> um only only because it just feels so slapped together and you just yeah. and and that was something I I brought up to Connor was like I think if Wes Craven would have tackled this later in his career, it would have been a lot better. It would have been it it would have felt like there was more of a, a story in there. Because some of the stuff that Ebert pointed out in his in his review, it was like he was already trying to, you know, reference some older horror films, classic horror films, and you know, trying to mix that in with what he was doing but the writing of it and i don't know how much of that script he wrote because somebody else was writing it with him and it just it did not it did not feel coherent at all i mean don't get me wrong i love seeing david hess as a bad guy but why would you be doing your life's research within a hundred miles of some fucking weirdo paramilitary dudes who get boners shooting people like why would you want to be anywhere near that because tension that's why so i i I just wish i just wish this would have been handled a lot better and it wasn't it wasn't at all
0: oh it's it feels like an episode of mystery science theater 3000 it's that well written if you know what i mean (laughs) Uh, i do so when they get back to this, when they get back to the uh, station, uh, Alice again reiterates, "Hey, broken sensor." The reader's like, "Yeah, we're not going to deal with that right now. It's not important." And uh, <laughs> they hear a loud, they hear a, a loud bang. They go back to the laboratory where Linda shows off her breakthrough, a glowing plant-based concoction with explosive properties. It's, it doesn't really mesh with the whole you know swamp thing thing later, but. Explosive green plant juice. Okay. Life's work complete. (laughs) And uh, Alec then shows Alice a hybrid plant and animal cell, his prized work. And uh, later Alec notices that Linda's formula, when dropped, uh, spawns rapid plant growth wherever they touch. He's basically, like, you combine both these people, it's Poison Ivy from Batman and Robin. Straight up. Uh, And uh, of all the movies to rip off, Swamp Thing, really? (laughs) Uh, uh, So Alex, overcome with excitement, he kisses Alice before sending her to go get Ritter. And uh, she gets attacked by a group of paramilitary agents who attack her and raid Alex's laboratory. And Ritter shows up and takes off a Mission Impossible-style mask to reveal... He's Arcane. (laughs) That was ridiculous. (laughs) Holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) It's on. Linda tries to run with the formula. Arcane shoots her dead. Alex like, no, my sister. He grabs the beaker, trips, and spills the chemicals all over him and gets set on fire. (laughs) He... He trips. That's the origin of our great hero here. (laughs) He runs outside and dives into the swamp to extinguish the flames, and they run after him and start shooting into the water trying to get this guy. And uh, overnight, Arcanes' henchmen destroy the the lab. They remove all evidence of their work. And at dawn, a henchman captures Alice, tries to drown her in the swamp, but this green mass jumps out of the water, Jason style, and grabs the guy. It's pretty badass. Let's uh, not suck this movie's dick too hard.
1: Hey, ro- ro- Roger! You know, great minds think alike. Come on. I,
0: it's. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna call it badass. I can't. I could.
1: I, I couldn't be more. I couldn't be more joking with you.
0: <laughs> I know. I just. It he's. It looks so fucking goofy. It's ridiculous. It,
1: it, it is very 1982. That um. Right when that happened, I was like, "Okay, whoa, what are we?"
0: Josh, is is that it? it? How did you describe it? The the suit?
2: Oh, it looked like a fucking army surplus wetsuit that had fucking vines hot glued to it.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's probably exactly what happened. Considering the budget on this thing, oh man! (laughs) So this, so this, like you know, thing that came out of the swamp. Start, you know, drags Alice ashore, saves her life, and starts chasing Arcane's men down. Meanwhile, ah. yeah, exactly. In his mansion, which leads me to believe, like, Arcane's already rich. Why does he need this? Like, what is his angle here? Does he want to be known as the man who single handedly invented this explodey green formula? I don't know. Arcane realizes that he. Thought he had all of Alex's notebooks, but there's one he didn't get. The seventh notebook his most recent one that contains the formula that he needs. Alice, who is a bit, you know, freaked out by everything, you know, swamp monster, plus people are trying to kill her, goes to a gas station to telephone her employers for help and meets this kid, Jude. And uh, this kid, I mean, he's just, he's a really bad actor, this kid. It's hard to get past that. He's, I can practically see him reading the cue cards, and it's not really like why is he here? Uh, well, I think
1: I think what he's doing is watching all of the adults do cocaine, and is surprised and can't act because of the horrific, you know, the trauma he's going through while this movie's being made.
0: He's so like his reactions are like, whoa! Looks like we got company. <laughs> he's there's like dudes, po- you know, showing up with rifles, like just. I don't know. I feel like you take this kid out, nothing changes. There's no real need for the kid. It's weird. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so, Alice manages to call Ritter, who's actually Arcane, and he, you know, she tells him where he where they are. Arcane's like, turn around and just like, you know, shoo. U-turns that limo like nobody's business <laughs> and just drives. I love that. Apparently, like, the guy driving that, like, who owned the limo was super pissed about that. Like, that was he was not supposed to do that to his car. Yeah, yeah. You did not,
2: we did not agree to that. That was not in the contract.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so, Alice waits for Ritter's re- return with Jude. Arcane shows up, chases her, the, chases her through the forest. Swamp Thing shows up again, scares the pursuers away. Apparently, he's immune to gunfire. Because it would suck if you turned into a swamp monster and you could still be shot to death. Uh, once alone, Alice tries to escape the monster and kind of shoos it away. And he's like, all right, fine. And goes back into the trees. Whatever. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> Whatever, bro.
0: Jude finds Alice, leads her to a nearby cabin to change clothes. Arcane instructs his men, find Alice and you will find the creature, which he is now obsessed with. Because he knows this thing is the ultimate like end all be all of this formula. The you know, the swamp thing. He wants it. And uh Alex and Jude boat around the swamp till they reach the dock near the lab wreckage, and she sees Swamp Thing in the ruins holding Linda's locket and returns to the boat. And I think here is where she realizes that it's Alec. He's the Swamp Thing. And uh Oh, oh, that guy who cared for me. That guy who hit on me one time in a boat. Yeah, <laughs> In the American South. Yep. The vague South. <laughs> <laughs> <Ugh>. um. <laughs> she vows she's going to bring the notebook to DC because she's remember government worker minutes later. Arkane's men show up in a boat. They close in on Alice and Jude. The creature is immediately like, nope, not today, bitch, and jumps out at uh, Arkane's people, and he engineers a boat crash, and now Arcane's like, all right, this thing's intelligent. It really takes Arcane a long time to put the pieces together.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Hey, look, just because you're rich doesn't mean you're smart. It's
0: all I'm against. You. Isn't he supposed to be a scientist, too?
2: Supposed to be a scientist, yeah. <laughs> But Dr. Arcane, he's not that
0: good. I bet he's got a doctorate in, like, art history or something. (laughs) Probably something worthless like that.
1: (laughs) That's Dr. Arcane to you.
0: (laughs) I may not be able to create a formula, but if you'd made a painting about it, I would be able to tell your influences. (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) Arcane orders his lead henchman, Bruno, continue the search. And uh, (coughs) Alice gives Jude the notebook and says, you know, get away. And moments after this, kid gets shot. It's supposed to be sad, but the way they filmed it was hilarious. Here, take this. Go to safety. (laughs) Like immediately.
2: And (laughs) that's what he's there for. That's why he's there, Connor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Comedic relief.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I'd be laughing at the murder of a child in this movie. I mean, you, know, you learn something new about yourself every day, I guess. <laughs> uh, so yeah, for sure. So she hears the boy cry out, sees him dead in a boat. She gets kidnapped before she can act. Swamp Thing goes over to Jude's lifeless body and heals him ET style. Swamp Thing <laughs> can ET can ET people. That's, that's of course. Oh.
2: Awesome.
0: Yeah, Same year as E.T. too. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder who ripped who off.
2: <laughs> oh, come on. Clearly Spielberg. Come on.
0: Yeah, that the hack. Dead, <laughs> dead,
2: <laughs> dead, <laughs> this fucking guy.
0: Hasn't had a, an original idea his entire fucking career just ripping off Wes Craven's worst movie. <laughs> hey,
2: his first movie was based on a book. Let's, let's, Let's put things in perspective
0: here. Yeah. You can thank Richard Matheson for Spielberg's career. Thank you very much. Well, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel dirty having said all that. Where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. God, I feel like I need a shower. I, I am not associated with those statements. <laughs> That's wrong. Oh, what am I doing? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Bring the
2: pitchforks out for me. I don't care. (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) So Jude wakes up and is like, hey, Uh, I guess I'm alive now. Are you a friend of Alice's? And Swamp Thing's like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah. (laughs) Well, then this is your notebook. No, like, holy shit, you're a green swamp monster. I have questions. Just, can I trust you? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) They got to move the story along.
1: Well, you know, if... I meet anybody who's friends with Alice, I immediately uh, trust them with my life.
0: Well, if I am in the swamp and I run into any, you know, eight foot tall green monsters, I'm going to just assume that they're friendly. That's what I <laughs> Yeah.
1: <think>. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you add the fact that they're friends with Alice. I mean. Yeah.
0: Didn't he just, like, is this before or after he, like, crush- crushes that dude's head with his bare hands? <laughs> I don't remember. That would be a big red flag of trust for me. I mean, I don't yeah, care it's if you're—it's a bad guy, but there were easier ways to deal with that situation. <laughs> that was personal. <laughs> Oof. Uh, so our on Arcane's boat, Alice throws her kidnapper the guy with the uh, super badass name of Ferret <laughs> 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 throws him overboard. Project's and-
1: badass. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She dives into the water, swims ashore, and what do you know? It bumps into Swamp Thing. (laughs) (laughs) He's within shouting distance at all times.
1: (laughs) Don't worry. We're on the buddy system.
0: Buddy! Like she has a Swamp Thing alert necklace that she just pushes, and then he shows up within five minutes. (laughs) Help, help. I've fallen in the swamp, and I can't get up. (laughs)
1: Life alert.
0: So Swamp Thing's like, Alice... Or I know, he says Cable, because she goes by her last name most of the time. And Ferret cuts off Swamp Thing's arm with a knife, but the creature snaps Ferret's neck. She wakes up in his embrace. <laughs> oh, this is when she recognizes it's Alec. Before this, she was he was just that helpful green monster that kept popping <laughs> up around her.
1: <laughs> the jelly green giant, yeah. Just your friendly neighborhood jelly
0: green giant. And Swamp Thing's like, yep, I'm Alec. And she asks, Does that hurt? And he says, Only when I laugh. And <laughs> that was Roger Ebert's magic moment. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> and uh later she strips naked and goes skinny dipping in the fucking swamp. If you're watching the international yeah. cut, you see you see an eyeful. <laughs> and uh
2: everybody knows you can take a refreshing, totally clean. Gromp in the swamp and everything will be fine. You're not gonna come out with leeches on your taint
0: or anything like that.
2: It's not gonna happen.
0: You're swamp. gonna You are gonna walk away with a super strong UTI. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting rid of that thing for a few weeks. That thing's gonna stay in you. Adrian. <laughs> Ow. Jesus. And uh God. Just, she's bathing in the swamp like it's some magical grotto. I can't get over that. That's the most disgusting shit. She's not Shrek. You can't just do that. It's disgusting. <laughs> and Swamp Thing's just kind of like watching her but not watching her.
2: Creeping. Oh, yeah. Creeping hard. Mm-hmm. You and know after- he is rubbing some twigs together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. How does that even work for Swamp Thing? I mean, I got to hope one of the trade-offs of that shit is, you know, some growth.
2: Obviously. Yeah. I mean, come on. You saw what he grew out of that stump. He's packing. He's packing. <laughs> he, can, he, can, he can grow to fit any container.
0: Swamp things packing tree trunk? Is that where we've come to tonight?
2: <laughs> yeah. No oh. bark, though. No bark, though. <laughs> That'll no be bar- splinters, yeah.
0: All smooth. <laughs> oh, my God. Circumcised. Yep. Ugh. So, as she dresses, Arcane's men follow her and capture Swamp Thing in a net like it's no thing. And have you guys seen Kung Pao Enter the Fist? Oh, yeah. Remember when he gets captured in the tiny net? <laughs> That's all I could think of when they got <laughs> Swamp Thing with the
1: net. Oh, well, yeah, at this point in the movie, if you make it this far, your mind is racing to anything else uh, to just kind of get through it, yeah.
0: A tiny net is a death sentence. It's a net and it's tiny. <laughs> That's where so, Connor's mind went. Yeah. Yep, and hasn't left. It's been a day. I'm still there. <laughs> so Now that they've captured Swamp Thing, Arcane does the typical evil genius shit and invites Alice to a formal dinner party celebrating his duplication of the formula. He as a toast to prospective immortality, and reveals that to test this shit, he gave it to Bruno, who turns into a fucking pig dwarf. It's not what I was expecting. And Bruno's like, dude, the fuck? And runs away. Arcane locks him in a dungeon and asks Swamp Thing, like, hey, what happened? Why, am, why did he not turn into a giant Swamp Thing? And Swamp Thing somehow knows this and is like, well, the formula re- reflects what's inside. It's, it it, it's, it sees your soul and builds on that. Like, no, that's not how chemicals work, God. but yeah. So Bruno was a sniveling little bastard. So he turned into a tiny pig and Arcane's a dick. So he turned into a wolf pig. It's always pigs for everybody's Swamp Thing. Uh, Yeah. So Arcane, you know, being egotistical, thinks, I am the world's greatest person, therefore this will turn me into a god. So he locks Alice in the dungeon and drinks a glass of this shit. A beam of sunlight goes through the dungeon door and regrows Swamp Thing's arm. And he escapes, frees Alice and Bruno, who says, I can get you out of here. they're like, lead the way, little pig man. Arcane turns into a... Big old wolf, pig, boar, and grabs a sword and goes into the dungeons to fight swamp thing. As
1: you do. All right, that that sentence that you just said. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's just yeah. Uh, A boar-like beast descends to the dungeons
0: with a sword.
1: (laughs) Sounds like a Dungeons
0: and Dragons game, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, exactly. But first he goes through this like super paper mache cocoon phase. That he just starts ripping off and he just is like, it's really bad. This was not winning any makeup awards. No. <laughs> so he discovers that his captives have, have escaped through an underwater tunnel leading right back to the swamp. Of course. <laughs> Why does Arcane have a tunnel that leads to the swamp? Sometime later, Alice and swamp thing emerged from the water arcane shows up stabs alice with a sword swamp thing starts fighting arcane just starts punching him out and goes and heals uh alice and he ends up killing arcane with the sword and uh swamp thing is like my work is done here i must return to my homeland and alice is like will i ever see you again and he's like if you come back to the swamp so I'm never leaving this place. <laughs> he has work to do. What that work is, who the fuck knows? But he says, you know, I'll, you'll see me again. And then Jude emerges from the trees and embraces Alice as Swamp Thing, lumbers away to be mistaken for Sasquatch till the end of his days. And, oh God, this might be worse than Exorcist 2. <laughs> In the films we've covered, this might be at the bottom of the barrel. Whew.
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. It's definitely right there with the exorcist too. I, yeah, I, I would give it a, a four out of 10. I just, um I don't, there's just not, not really anything there that I found that I could connect with or in no way do I feel like I want to rewatch it sort of thing. So yeah, I don't know, man.
0: Yeah. Josh, how about you?
2: So... I think rating-wise I probably have to go with what you gave it Connor which would be a 5. Um, again just I I feel like this was a really young Les Craven who probably may or may not have had the control that he would have wanted and you know I I would love to hear what he what he says about this I mean, if there's an interview somewhere I'd love yeah. to hear. Um, just to kind of see like where he was with that. Um, but I think as far as, you know, swamp monster hero movies, it's number one as far as that goes, because I don't think we, you guys have covered one yet. So it might be the bottom of the barrel in the whole litany of filmgasm
0: episodes, but it's the number one monster swamp monster movie. I don't know. I think that I think number one swamp movie, swamp monster movie, is Shrek. I think he wins. Swamp Thing would totally kick Shrek's ass. Shrek Shrek would punt that bitch out of his swamp. Can can I count crawl? No,
1: (laughs) no, because it's in a. It's more in a house. Yeah, I yeah.
0: It's a Bayou movie, but I wouldn't. I don't consider the Gators. Swamp things. I'm just picturing Shrek and Swamp thing like whacking each other with full-size gators. Just,
1: I don't know, man. I mean, what Shrek does in that scene um, in front of Farquad's at his castle is pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. I mean he beat somebody, to, you know, he knocked somebody out with a folding chair centuries before folding chairs existed. That's that's some giant stone balls right there. Ogres
1: have cool. layers. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> you don't want to mess with the onions on Shrek. Anyway, uh, here's some film guys and facts. <laughs> Number one, when initially released on DVD in the US, the international version of the movie containing scenes of nudity not seen in US theaters were accidentally transferred instead of the US version. After complaints from viewers, the DVD was recalled. And I got to imagine those recalled DVDs are worth pretty penny nowadays. But uh, why would you complain? I mean, in the midst of all this horrible shit. You've got Adrian Barbo's tits, and you're complaining? My God. Some people have no class.
1: This takes away from the story, guys.
0: Just <laughs> <over>. <laughs> Number two: Bruno's transformation after being dosed with the formula isn't quite what Craven had envisioned. The same goes for Arcane's creature, and when asked for the director's thoughts, his immediate reply is a big sigh.
2: Ah, that sucks. And I, think, and I think everybody else who's seen these monsters will do the same thing. Yep. <sighs>
0: what the fuck? Number three. The idea for A Nightmare on Elm Street came to Craven during production on this film. And that's the only positive that came out of it career-wise. He survived a few years off the paychecks from this and deadly blessing, but that quickly dried up. Quote, I went through all the money I had saved. I lost my house and I was literally selling my goods. And I think I borrowed from Sean Cunningham five grand to pay my taxes that year. So Wes Craven was on the verge of bankruptcy and then he came up with Freddy Krueger and that's how he became studio, you know, gold for a while. So thank God for Swamp Thing or else we never would have had Elm Street, I guess.
2: See, see, and you thought there was nothing redeeming about this movie. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Out of the steaming pile of the swamps, this little flower grew.
0: I By reiterate, tits. <laughs> but whatever.
2: Adrian Barbeau's tits didn't birth Nightmare on Elm Street. Wes Craven they... suffering through this shit whole movie.
0: We we don't guy. know the situation. She her tits <laughs> might have been involved somehow. We don't know. <laughs> what if he was filming that? And he had a dream about it later, and then some knife-wielding crazy man went into, you know, came into his dreams, and he woke up, and he's like, Freddy Krueger, I'm going to write this down. That's probably exactly what happened. <laughs> I'm going to get you, bitch. <laughs> oh, the film's only theatrical sequel was 1989's The Return of Swamp Thing, which saw Dick Durock and Louis Jordan return in their respective roles. The film co-stars Heather Locklear and Sarah Douglas, among others. It's written as more of a comedy and a spoof, and it was a colossal bomb. IMDb score 4.7, Rotten Tomatoes score 44%. Didn't work. There will be no Swamp Thing 3. There was a TV series made in 1990 called Swamp Thing that starred Dick Durock in the title role. It lasted three seasons and has garnered a cult following. So, success comes in mysterious ways. Then, there was another TV show made last year, also titled Swamp Thing, that debuted on the DC Universe streaming service. James Wan was the executive producer, and the cast included Virginia Madsen, Kevin Durand, Crystal Reed, and Derek Mears as Swamp Thing. Despite critical and fan acclaim, the show was abruptly and inexplicably canceled right after the first episode aired to a great reception. To this day, nobody but the DC execs know why the hell they canceled Swamp Thing so abruptly. Such a waste.
2: It's fucking terrible. That series was really, really good. And I was actually even more upset that they cut the last three episodes because of it. All because they were trying to pull out. I got excited because that was, um, you know, film and TV coming back to Wilmington, North Carolina, where I'm from. Yeah. Super stoked about that. And Derek Mears was fantastic. Fantastic. Swamp Thing um when you mentioned earlier about Ray Wise you know Wes wanted him to to be able to emote and do all that stuff Derek Mears does so much in that makeup and in that role and it's like it's crazy because if you ever um if you ever watch the show Holliston from Adam Green um Derek Mears plays a stupid cop in that but you just see like Derek Mears is, a, is actually a pretty damn good actor to do, like, this comedic stuff. But then he was Jason, and then he was Swamp Thing. And you're just like, wow, this guy's actually got something here. Swamp Thing is probably one of the best, like, creatures he's ever done.
0: Right on. I definitely want to check out this show. I took a look at the makeup, and it looked fucking incredible. So, yeah, I mean, it's not like it could be worse.
2: <laughs> yeah, the bar is very low. Yes,
0: yes, indeed. And it's one season. I can breeze through one season in a weekend. Uh, yeah, so five. I think it's terrible, poorly written, dull. But before we preview next week's episode, let's do like old times and talk about what happened this week in film. Yes. First up, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences have decided to postpone next year's Oscars to April 25th, 2021. So only a two-month bump. Not that severe.
1: I, yeah, I don't. I don't um, understand all this scheduling and looking at the calendar and moving things this year and that. Nothing set in stone. It could be moved back more. It, we could not even have an Oscars. Uh, who knows, man? I just I, like uh, my case would be with uh, look, look at what's happened with Tenet with Christopher Nolan's Tenet. It's moved dates like ten times, and uh, I'm just tired of that. Kind of like, well, you know, let's just. You know, go back to the drawing board and not, not worry about that tour for sure, about the theater even opening. Um, it's it's tough, man. But you, you know the Academy just doesn't want to miss a year for history's sake. Um,
0: yeah. And I'm torn. So, you know, I'm a, I don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't want anybody risking their lives. But I also, you know. Yeah. I think there's ways to do this smart. I think, you know, making some deals with these streaming services would be beneficial to everybody.
1: It's the only way
0: yeah I don't know. I think that the Oscars bending the rules a bit for next year's show would be you know beneficial. I just think that they're they're living in the past too much and they're ref- a lot of them are just refusing to compromise with the way things are going to be looking forward and nothing no good comes out of that just pigheadedness never works in any situation and you just come off looking like an asshole, so you know you gotta work with the way things are going. And right now it's looking like this is going to be a way of the world for quite a while uh, until we can actually come up with a, a viable solution. It's going to be, you know, shut down movie theaters and masks. So get with the program. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. And if you, if you're going by the logic of pushing something like as big as the Oscars to April, then what does that mean for the following year? Is the following year, does it lose two whole months of, of movies being able to be up? Is that whole schedule messed up? I, you know, I think the only way for this to all be resolved is for stuff like the Five Bloods, you know, to be moved straight to a streaming service where people can see it, uh, people can watch it and have an opinion. Um, and then you have your Oscars in February. Uh, you just don't have a live show. <laughs> you just, you just do what these other TV shows are doing and whatever. Get on Zoom. Get on Skype. Whatever it may be. Because there, yeah, there's just no way. You can plan a live show right now.
0: Nope. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to end up. I mean, I'm, you know, barely thinking ahead to tomorrow in this climate, let alone. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Who the fuck knows?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's ultimately, we don't know. No one really knows. It's that's what's scary about it all is the uncertainty and uh, movie. Movies obviously aren't, you know, massively important in the realm of, you know, it's, you know, human safety. But we 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 want our we want our you know our, our our comfort comfort back you know we want the theater back we want to be able to do that and until that happens yeah I I agree with you Connor it's just we can't can't guarantee anything can't say anything for sure it's just we don't know
0: we just don't two trailers debuted this week the first you should have left starring Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried as a couple who move into a haunted house. Produced by Blumhouse. Yeah, produced by Blumhouse. Written and directed by David Kep. I think this has potential. It'll be released on demand this Friday, June nineteenth. I saw Blumhouse. I'm in. Yeah, me too. And that's a really interesting
1: pairing, right? You got um, quite an interesting age gap between those two, but I'm I'm super
0: excited. Well, that comes up in the movie. I think. I think she's like his second wife.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's what it looked like in the trailer. Yeah. What do you think, Josh? I actually haven't seen it
2: um but you know I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty comfortable with whatever you know Blumhouse is putting out they they like to you know take a chance and yeah you give, give control to the directors and the writers and all of that so you know it can't it can't be any worse than other we things that have been coming out so we might do
0: we might do you uh, should have left on the show if the rental price is under 20 bucks, cause that's fucking insane. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I mean, that's,
1: we saw that happen with a uh, King of Staten Island where it's like 20. It's like, all right. I, I That's hard.
2: <laughs> well, it's hard. But then like, if you, if you try to like break it down, you know, like I've, I've seen a couple of people talking about the rationale behind it. You know, if you've got it for a weekend and you have friends over, you know, if you think about the eyes that are on it, you're, what's been in like five bucks a person there's all different kinds of ways that is true we could could,
0: uh we could split it i didn't think about that Hmm. yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah. because i thought about that in relation to like with my kids you know i go out i take them out to the movies it's like 60 bucks yeah dude yeah it's it's a fucking nightmare and then you're like god damn i can't do this four times a month i'll be fucking cleaned out In just like what I have set aside for recreational things, so yeah, true. You know, this is this is definitely one of those things that if it persists and more theaters get shut down, it's it's definitely going to be you know a a a way of
0: the future for sure. It's definitely going to make I think people like us have to be a lot more choosy about what we take a look at, which sucks because I hate being choosy when it comes to movies, but you got to do what you got to do.
1: I, um, yeah, I I, for myself, I am going to be much more inclined to watch something old, right? Something that um, has has something behind it, has some something, some substance there as far as reviews and you know a, Mm -hmm. uh, a whole history behind it, a legacy. But like you say, Connor, you have to get choosy. When I go, you know, this past year to the theater, Connor, you know, you and I went and saw so many movies. Uh, in 2019 we were like really trying to tackle one every weekend and when you're going to see these movies it's it you're literally paying that ten dollars to you know get away and uh, go see something on a big screen and see the trailers and have that whole bit uh and you, you then you go home but when it turns into a like josh is saying where you're paying for your family and it's 60 bucks it's like man you gotta really think about this like uh, am I going just to entertain my family? Am I going for my own enjoyment? Am I going, what am I doing here? And it's, it's, it's going to get to a scary place for, for people who want to see as much new stuff as possible because it's going to get very expensive for people to see as much new stuff as possible yeah. already. I've already missed movies I would have seen in theaters for sure uh, just because of that mind, that, that mentality. Um, I totally agree that it's smarter to maybe do it this way. We all spend five bucks. But it's about that experience of going to the theater, sitting in that chair, um, hearing it really fucking loud. Um, that's that's all a huge part of, of being a big movie fan, and the, the the fear of that being sort of stripped away is is pretty scary.
0: More sad than scary, I think. For me, it's just like, you well, know, it's very sad. The movies have been such a ingrained part of my life, my entire life. It's been something I've looked forward to. All the time, since as far back as I can remember, and to have you know, for the idea that that might be going away, depending on yeah. how the world's going to look like in the next few months, is—I don't know. It's just like losing. I feel like I'm, I'm losing a part of myself. It's, a, it's, a, it's it doesn't feel doesn't feel right.
1: Well, here let, let so, me tell you. So let me fill you guys in on something real quick. That Alma Draft House has released what their plans are, sort of not really a timeline, but exact. Mm-hmm. That what they're going to try to do is have people, if they want to order food is order your ticket online and order your food online. So that right when you get there, you sit down, your food like comes to you or whatever. So essentially they are taking the server position away and you know, it's just gonna be people. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be the same. It's just not, it's not. And it might never be the same is, is the way this could go is we, as an entire culture and society adapt completely and places like draft house might just not exist anymore
0: oh jeez i don't want to think about that oh i don't want to neither, think about neither that. do
1: neither do i but it, it is very real and it definitely you, when you see this stuff coming out for twenty dollars on video on demand and you're like all right i guess this is how it's going to be for now you know
0: yeah but you know i paid 15 bucks for capone and it fucking sucked
1: yeah you're taking a serious you're taking a serious risk without the theater experience yeah shit <laughs> at least when you go see transformers it's on a giant screen
2: don't forget, though, boys, there's always the drive-in.
0: That's true, but as we saw with The King of Staten Island, drive-ins aren't getting the kind of movies that they want. Staten Island got recalled immediately.
2: Sure, yeah. sure. But it's still it's still something it's still, that's out there. And I, yeah. think, and I think the more that people start to go to the drive-in and the, the studios start seeing that, okay, we have no theaters, but people are going to the drive-in, it, we can do it'll this come through yeah it'll you'll it'll, it'll start coming back man I dude I can, I, I can see that happen
1: Yeah dude. think of, think about exactly a year ago like right now uh, July 9th once upon a time in Hollywood comes out can you imagine the people in California going to it fucking showing of that outside to see once upon a time right now come on man it would be um, I, I think there is a place in an audience that would be very down for that kind of ad- adapting where you're sitting in your car. Um, I think a lot more people would be able to uh, do drugs <laughs> in their car if they're out of driving, in right? Or, um, you know, and just, it's a more of your own experience. So yeah, that's a good point, man.
0: That's good. I'm going to look into my local drive-in. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: The other trailer that debuted Bill and Ted face the music starring Keanu Reeves and Alex winter who are returning to their iconic roles 29 years after the previous film. Uh, the film is a direct sequel to 1989's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and 1991's Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and it looks like it could go either way. The film will also see the return of William Sadler as Death. By the way, so I I like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I don't love it. Yeah, I same. Haven't seen Bogus Journey. I feel like we don't need this, and uh, they're just both too too old for this to be believable i don't buy bill and ted as fucking dads it's, it's just weird um, yeah i
2: don't know how i feel about it it's i I'm, I'm 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 hopeful but i'm also very much like i hope this doesn't suck yeah it's just gonna taint everything else
0: <laughs> there is nothing sacred anymore nothing Anything is up for grabs. The day that they announce a remake to Back to the Future, I'm gonna I'm gonna bust some heads. Like you're not touching that. <laughs> I will burn some studios to the ground if I fucking have to. Don't touch my movie. <laughs>
1: oh, I, yeah. Luckily, luckily, my favorite movie is Magnolia, and no one is ever going to touch that.
0: Some artsy fartsy, like you know, NYU student might. <laughs> We'll see. I, I, I dare him. Magnolia 2. Magnolia. Yeah, Magnolia.
1: Magnoliaist.
0: Uh, the return of Frank T.J. Mackey. Respect uh, the cock. God damn it. That, oh, that, how many times has that fucking come up on this show? Like at least six.
1: Well, it's my favorite movie, man. Anytime you yeah. get a chance to.
0: Absolutely, man. I get it. Awesome. Yeah, you're safe, but my my favorite movie of all time is like one of the biggest movies of the 80s and a pop culture icon. So it's constantly in danger of being uh, set up for a remake.
1: It's possible for sure.
0: (sighs) One day. Zemeckis has constantly said, over my dead body. So the second he's in the ground, some asshole is going to try to remake that movie. Yeah, yeah. Next, Gone with the Wind has been removed from HBO Max due to its depiction of African-Americans and slavery. Now, I haven't seen Gone with the Wind, but I'm I'm very much against this. I don't think we should be trying to erase films like this and act like they never happened. I think we should acknowledge the mistake, accept that times were different, and leave the decision to watch it up to the viewer.
1: Yeah, well, I can't stand that movie, so I'm cool with it. But I uh, I kind of agree with you as far as like art goes. I think it's up to the chooser. But uh, it's also, you know, like Disney Plus, uh, Songs of the South, like, I, I, that one probably shouldn't be there because it's like kids using it, you know? And when a kid is watching a Disney movie, it's like, oh man, they really believe in that shit. And it's, it's sometimes not the right philosophy to teach kids.
0: <laughs> but in that vein, I look at what Warner Brothers did. Before their super racist Looney Tunes, they put a disclaimer that says, this does not reflect the views of Warner Brothers today. Times were different. We regret our actions. But to act like these cartoons didn't happen is to acknowledge that... That this kind of prejudice never existed and we refused to do that. So with that mindset, watch this knowing that we could have done things differently. I respect the hell out of that and I wish Disney would take that same approach.
1: It's hard, man. It's hard when the thought of like my daughter having the controller and not me not knowing what she's watching and um, I don't know. I wouldn't want her watching that movie. Well, yeah, but wouldn't that be up to you? Like, wouldn't that be your like, that yeah. be- not if not, yeah yeah of of course if i'm with her but if i'm not i mean think about how many maybe josh can speak to this a little bit uh, i think i i think the hbo max thing is ridiculous with gone with the wind uh I, again that movie i just don't think it's good but it it's hbo max it's an adult um you know streaming service disney plus is definitely one that like And Netflix too has like the kids thing where you could like kid actually has the remote and knows how to use it these days. Like that's, that's where we're at in 2020. And I just feel like when my daughter Willow is able to do that, I wouldn't want her roaming around to that movie. If she was by herself watching TV, I'd rather it be, I don't know what any other Disney Moana or whatever, you know? Yeah. Josh, your thoughts on this?
2: I mean, all I, I just try to make sure that if I can have, Some level of control over their access, you know. Yeah. With the with with Disney Plus, you know, they have a specific account that's just for them. Yeah. By coming on, and I'm like doing tours around the house. It's only on the kids' profile. They can't even watch Marvel movies on it. Good. Yeah. 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 If 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 they want to watch that stuff, I have to take control of it. Um, you know, the the Netflix is the same thing. It's all age restricted. and they're, they're young enough that some of that stuff is probably gonna go over their head anyway, even if they did watch something. Um, so yeah, I mean, my parents let me watch whatever, whatever I wanted and I would sneak out and watch whatever I wanted anyway. Um, and I think being able to have that kind of dialogue and have that kind of relationship where you're trying to educate your kids on what they're seeing, what they're being exposed to, Making sure that you have, you know, it's it's a it's a two-way street. If they have questions, they shouldn't be afraid to come to you and ask you and talk to you. Um, that helped me to kind of, you know, ask questions about stuff I was seeing, and know that I wasn't going to get in trouble for, you know, interpreting something or just being like, what is what what are they talking about? Why is this funny? You know, what what are they laughing about here? Yeah. I think being able to be responsible about that because trying to censor something and tell somebody they can't watch this they're going to find it one way or another. At least if you are if you are, you know, saying come to me and talk to me about this stuff or let's watch it together, you're 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 fostering a better environment than just totally shutting them down and saying you're not watching this. You're not going to watch this. Because then when they are exposed to it later, they you know, you could always have that moment where they look at you like, Why didn't you let me see this? Like I needed to know about this. And it's not it's not an easy thing. You can't I can't tell you, Austin, as a dad, like this is what you should do. It's all about what works for you and what dynamic you have with you know, with with Brianna and how you guys are raising your daughter. Like it's the same way with me and my wife you know we're always constantly talking about that kind of stuff so you know i i think as a general rule art shouldn't be censored it should be up to you know if you don't like it change the channel if you don't like it, yeah yeah the-
0: yeah well that's what that's what i see like and i i don't have kids so i can't even begin to, pre- to pretend that i understand that realm at all but i for me it just comes down to censorship on art and i think that it's a slippery slope I think once yes. you start saying "Gone with the Wind" is a film that shouldn't be watched, I think you could start saying that about a lot of films from that time that can just be oh, yeah. out of existence, and I think that that's unfair. So that's just that's all I have to say about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I really do agree with basically everything you guys are saying. It just comes down to each scenario, you know, um, what, what exactly like how old your kid is when you want them to start learning things about race or about you know religion and politics like when when do you want them to start asking those kinds of questions and i yeah i i I appreciate that we can have this kind of space on a movie podcast to talk about uh really just morality and what what you are okay with seeing but yes and you know me connor man censoring art is like the last thing anybody should do i i I've, i've praised some movies on here that no child should see um
0: <laughs> yeah we just
1: we just we just did the brood not too long ago which i think is one of the best movies we've done on the entire podcast and that movie probably shouldn't be seen by <laughs> by children you know uh, but it's hard to figure out what age i think it can be up to the person as well it's, it's great it's a great situation man
0: well and again i haven't seen gone with the wind yet I might have different views after I see the movie. Yeah,
1: it's I just I just don't like it. I I but I I don't understand that. Like, but do you not like it
0: for racial issues or because it's just boring? The whole thing,
1: well, all of it, all of it, all of it is a mess to me. Yeah, I don't like it. But uh, that happens a lot with best picture winners. (laughs)
0: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, that was a that was a meaty discussion, guys. Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Finally, and we're going to end on a high note here, I couldn't be more excited, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell have announced production will soon begin on a fourth Evil Dead film, titled Evil Dead Now. Director Lee Cronin will be taking the reins, having been hand-picked by Raimi. Cronin's previous film was 2019's The Hole in the Ground. Campbell has said he will not be returning as Ash Williams, and the film will feature a new group of teenagers who stumble upon the horrors of the Necronomicon. Campbell is staying on to produce. Evil Dead 4, finally here, but it's gonna be reimagining. I'm okay with that. Yes, me too. As long as, you know, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are involved and it has their blessing, who am I to say otherwise? Good.
2: Yeah, I I I don't I don't have an issue with that. I think I think it being more about, you know, some kids finding this book and the hell that it unleashes is kind of like the the, the crux of this franchise yeah it's it's always been i mean it at, at the beginning it was just about the book and then bruce gamble you know created this character that you know has endured um and i think you know so many people wanted to see that continue because everybody loves ash he's he's like the you know he's everybody's favorite hero so some people can be butthurt about it, but
0: well, we saw in the uh, the 2013 Evil Dead remake that it can be done without Ash and work. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where this goes. I wonder if they're going to acknowledge the show at all, or uh, that's just going to be its own little contained thing. Well, no. I
2: think with I think if if the 2013 um, remake was any indication, yeah. There'll probably be something in there. Something slipped in, I'm sure. (laughs) Not just that old fucking Buick fucking chilling.
0: That's all I need.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I've said before, I think Evil Dead is the one flawless horror franchise that has no weak links. And uh I think this is gonna be good. (laughs) I'm excited. Well, that is all for this week. Stay tuned for Oscar Sunday, where we will be diving into Rocky and the franchise that it spawned. Next week, we're traveling to Mexico with outlaw brothers Seth and Richard Gecko, who are on the run for murder and looking to escape the law. What they find is a titty bar full of vampires, and the fight for survival is on in Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino's action horror cult classic From Dusk Till Dawn. Can't wait. (laughs) Oh, man, yeah. And until then, stay out of the swamp and watch out for wolf pig monsters. See you next Wednesday.